0: This is the Oanda Podcast, brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast with me, Johnny Hart. To look back on another fascinating week and look ahead to the next seven days, I'm joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Ollum in London and Ed Moyer in New York. Hello, guys.
1: Good afternoon. Thank you for having us.
0: It's a pleasure. So just 10 days to go now before the US elections. Uh, Last night's presidential debate, well, there wasn't really a big win for either, let alone a knockout blow, but both actually did fairly well. They're calling it a score draw in some quarters. Have, Ed, the markets now factored in a Biden win? I mean, it's certainly looking that way.
2: I'm going to sound like a broken record, but yes, I think the markets are still pretty confident that, the democratic nominee is going to win. Uh, I think president Trump had a better outing. Um, this was a civil debate. I think many people were happy that policies were discussed and, and we got to, to learn more from, from both candidates. Um, however, I, I think that you're going to, you know, look at, look at the polls. And, uh, right now there's just, uh, I think Biden has too much of a lead. And when you take a look at what happened, um, Early voting has been amazing. We, we've seen um, over 40 million Americans vote before that debate. Um, so if we have record turnout, it's possibly that a third of the population has already cast their ballot. So I, I think I think you're gonna see that many Americans um, have already made up their mind. Uh, when you compare this election to uh, the one with us against Secretary Hillary Clinton, um, the undecided vote um, is, is roughly half of that. So I, I think uh, we had four years, for the people to get the polls right. Um, They did a poor job in in, um, covering um, a a big part of the Trump base and and I think that the polls are gonna be a little bit more accurate this go around. And now we're gonna see if uh, any, any uh, big changes happen uh, in these final days um, leading up to the election day. Uh, but I think right now you're, you're right that markets are, are firmly pricing in a Biden presidency. Uh, but the Senate is the big question mark. I think those races are still too tight and um, we're going to see that ultimately is going to dictate where we, you know, we see a lot of these uh, markets go because um, with the, with a Biden, with a blue wave, you're going to see that is going to be very positive for um, um huge infrastructure spending um yes we'll have higher taxes and tougher regulation but i think the markets are kind of pricing that in and um, if we do get um the democrats uh, the republicans keeping the senate uh, gridlock will be here so you don't have to worry about those taxes and regulations but we will see a lot smaller stimulus come into the economy so a lot at stake with these senate races and and right now they're there's they're still too tight to to feel comfortable that um either side will win
0: And you mentioned voting turnout. Many voters just didn't turn out last time. And if you take a state like Florida, where, for instance, hundreds and thousands of uh, black voters just stayed at home. But it seems to be very different this time around. And that could actually affect votes for the Senate as well.
2: Uh, Very much so. I I think right here now what you're seeing is uh, if you take a look at who this pandemic has hurt the most, it's been Latinos and the the black voter. And I think you're going to probably see record turnout. Um, This has been uh, um, a key part of the population that both sides are trying to win their votes over. And uh, I I think that uh, for the most part, you're going to see that Biden's efforts as far as providing more support and into and, and uh, extending these unemployment benefits and, and providing more opportunities and trying to create new jobs is resonating well with these voters. So uh, I, I think the, the, uh, the also when you take a look at who COVID has hurt the most, it's been uh, those pockets of people. So I, I think right now you're going to see that uh, investors are going to probably expect uh for for the the president to uh struggle in, in winning those votes and i, I think that's why you're going to see uh, um come election day um if, if florida goes quickly to biden i think you're going to see uh, many people kind of uh, uh feel that that's good enough to to price that in. Now, there's still gonna be a tremendous amount of uncertainty because we have uh, mail-in voting and a lot of that counting won't take place until November 3rd. Uh, but but I, I think uh, the election uncertainty uh, risks have eased, um, but they still might be tight. And, and we might not have final answers on the Senate. Um, well, well um, much um, later, so possibly a couple months later. So um, that's going to be very uh, close to follow, and that will really dictate how people position themselves with risky assets. So uh, still a lot of question marks, but at least on the, the uh, presidential election, I think um, markets are pretty confident that it's, it's, it's leaning towards Biden.
0: Craig, how does a Biden win, should that happen, affect the UK and uh, Europe? And um, we're going to talk about Brexit in a minute as well. But of course, we're going to have to sign a trade agreement with the USA in the not too distant future. Or we hope it's not in the too distant future. But what's the difference between Biden and Trump when it comes to the UK economy?
1: I'm not I'm not convinced there is an enormous difference. I think we often have to ignore a lot of what is said in the media because it's said for a particular purpose. Uh, we'll remember back in 2016, uh, Barack Obama effectively saying uh, at David Cameron's request that the UK would be right at the back of the queue if it voted to leave in terms of a new trade deal. I think we all know that's probably not true. Uh, and I think Biden is going to toe the same uh, line as, uh, as Barack Obama. And we've actually heard kind of similar tones uh, from uh, the former vice president uh, in relation to that. But again, I just don't believe that that's necessarily true. I think the two countries are, are extremely close and important partners uh, in many ways. Uh, and therefore, uh, this idea of going to the back the queue, I don't think anyone really buys into. Obviously, on Trump's side, there is an urgency to create a trade deal with the UK. You can see that uh, it is a relationship which does actually mean a lot uh, to President Trump. So maybe there may be a little bit more urgency, but then you could argue that maybe uh, the negotiations may be that little bit tougher. So there's probably some minor pros and cons, but broadly speaking, I don't think it makes a huge difference i think the biggest difference comes from the white house's relationship with europe as a whole i think one of the interesting things in in last night's debate was biden uh, effectively Attacking Trump for making allies of enemies and enemies of allies over the course of the last four years. And I think that's been quite clear for all to see within various organizations at various summits, etc. That's going to be the biggest difference, because I think Biden will want to repair relations uh, with traditional allies uh, at the expense uh, uh, of of those who uh, those who Trump has sought to reach out to uh, in the last four years, the obvious ones being uh, Putin uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, and G and uh, and others. Uh, so I think that's going to be the biggest difference, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Okay, we'll talk more about Brexit in a moment or two, Craig. But I just wanted to ask you, Ed, about U.S. earnings. Some um, interesting earnings out this week, and uh, we've got a fiscal stimulus. Uh, in the plans as well yes
2: uh, very much so um, I'll, I'll talk with the latter first um, this fiscal stimulus is is um, pretty much it seems that uh that'll be a uh, post-election event um, more more likely a january <laughs> uh discussion i i think that um you're you're seeing that uh house speaker Pelosi and Treasury Secretary at Mnuchin are not making uh, enough progress. The the big issue at stakes remain uh, funding to st- state and local um, governments and, and also liabilities. Uh, and and right now, there's there's no expectations that you're going to have that, that progress. And even if we do, uh, you know, the, the House Senate Majority Leader at McConnell is not going to uh, play ball. He's it's it's very unlikely that um you're going to get the 60 votes that are needed to pass that legislation so i i think that it's it's still um an uphill battle for that and i I think we we won't really um have that stimulus question answered uh until we have these those election results Um, and with regard to earnings i I think this week's been it's been uh the, the busiest week we we've third the second week has seen lots of um, nice surprises. Southwest Airlines, Freeport, McLaren, uh, Coca-Cola, and at and had good results. Uh, Tesla, um, you know, one of the, the more uh, exciting stocks that uh, people follow. Um, they, uh, for the for the most part, I, I think you're, you're seeing that they had their best quarter ever. Um, um, and and uh, there's a, still a, a tremendous optimism as far as Elon Musk and his uh not just building cars but the batteries and and just you know expanding the offerings that um, uh, tesla is going to provide and they'll probably spin off into other companies um but the the valuations just seem extremely uh just too high right now and and unjustified and i think you know you're, you're still seeing despite the the strong report uh, you know tesla shares are are um somewhat lower and uh, you know when you take a look at the other, uh, big tech earnings that we got, it was Netflix and, um, you know, that Netflix is, has a, has a tough battle ahead of them. You know, the competition is growing. Um, they, Disappointed uh, with their new subscriber growth, so you're seeing a, a little bit of fatigue here with mega cap tech, um, and and uh, I think that's uh, going to be something that everyone cl- closely watches because uh, tech has really been the, the key driver throughout the pandemic. And uh, if we see tech decline, if it doesn't go into the cyclicals, uh, then you know you'll you'll have people become more concerned about that sell off. Uh, but for now, yeah, I, I think that uh, the earnings have been going. Uh, pretty solidly so far better than expected and uh and uh no, it's been constructive so far
0: okay craig let's talk some uh, brexit now and uh michelle barnier Yippee. <laughs> i thought you'd be pleased Michel barnier and uh, his team the uh, eu team of uh, diplomats are in london at the moment and uh I, I think bidding to avoid a no-deal brexit you can't really tell they don't want a no-deal brexit and i'm not sure about our side uh, when I say outside, I'm talking about the uh, UK government. But uh, number 10 has warned that significant gaps remain between the two sides, particularly over fishing. And in the grand scheme of things, fishing doesn't really add up to that much cash in the end. It's more of a symbolic thing, isn't it?
1: It's extremely symbolic, and uh, I think that's something that we have to remember. But we've talked about fishing more in the last four years than I think we have ever before. Uh, but it has become a symbol of Brexit. So if, if Boris Johnson concedes, it's going to be seen as a, a negotiation failure, and that's why such a big issue has been made of it over the course of the last few weeks. I mean, from the outside looking in, I think you can look at the last week and say that it seemed extremely petty calling off negotiations because of some nasty and harsh-sounding words and because the because of the belief that the other side isn't yielding as much as you want them to, and this, that, and the other. So just kind of walking away and, uh, and throwing you things in the air, it doesn't seem like the best solution. But I think we have to remember in all of this that that politics and PR is always important. and The perception at home on how things are going is almost as important. How many people are actually going to read the final deal that the UK and the EU strike, both here in the UK uh, and over there? Very, very few. So the the PR is gonna be an important aspect to people deciding whether it's been a worthwhile venture, uh, whether it's been successful and who's won out of it. And in a weird way, it is a zero-sum game, but in a weird way, every side needs to feel like they've got the better end of the deal. And I think, Boris Johnson and his team probably felt that not only was uh, was the negotiation not progressing as they wanted it to, but I think they also... Looked at the comments which came out to the EU summit last week, and they they decided that now wasn't the right time for compromise because if a compromise is found now, they're going to look weak, and it's going to look like they've got the worst end of the bargain, which is great in Brussels and bad in London. So I think the the comments which we've had from Michel Barnier over the last forty eight hours about both sides needing to compromise about uh, about the, the 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 legal documents being drawn up, etc. These kind of minor concessions uh, is is an important PR move. Because at the end of this, the most important thing, I think, as far as both sides are concerned, is they need to be seen to have been The victor and obviously both sides can't be the victor but you can strike a good free trade agreement between both sides come to an agreement on all different fields which most people aren't going to read into too much depth on and uh, walk away saying that you've got something good at the end of it the eu needs to make sure that other countries and people in other countries know that this has not been an easy venture and that the uk is worse off but the uk also needs to sell that they have made a success of brexit and they can move on striking new free trade agreements like the one signed uh, with japan today and I think, like I say, the PR game is extremely important. I've never been pessimistic throughout this negotiation. I've been the kind of eternal optimist that a deal's going to be struck. And at times I've kind of felt a bit alone in that because it feels like people have been growing more pessimistic. But I don't think I've been more, more optimistic that, uh, than I am right now for a very long time. Really I feel like this Yeah, I feel like this kind of spat uh, has kind of cleared the air. Uh, and it feels like with both sides now acknowledging that mutual compromise is needed, it now lays the foundation for them to actually compromise and not lose face. And this was the problem before by the EU suggesting that it has to be the UK that has to compromise and the vice versa, someone was going to lose face. Now there's an acknowledgement that they can mutually compromise and get a good agreement between the two. And I feel like that now lays the groundwork for it to actually happen. I think both sides were, were standing their grounds on areas when they knew that ultimately they were going to have to shift, both of them. And now that I think they're going to be able to, and I think we're going to see a lot of progress now in the next few weeks and an agreement will eventually be signed. And I think no deal odds have shrunk after what again seems such a small, minor, petty uh, difference, I think has actually um, resulted in in a huge leap forward.
0: Is that reflected in the currency movement at all yet?
1: In a weird way, yeah, but in a weird way, no. Um, so yes, in that uh, we have seen a little jump in the pound. So I think that has shown that there is a little bit more optimism, but there wasn't a much of a decline in the pound when the talks were called off. I feel like this week's have been a bit of a boy who cried wolf moment uh, as far as the pound is concerned. We've had four years... Of officials telling us that no deal is okay that they manage it there's worse for the other side that they're ready for it they're prepared etc etc and the markets have been extremely jumpy there was no jumpiness uh, this last couple of weeks and i think it's kind of been realized that we've had four years of this and they always find an agreement at the end of the day we always move on to the next stage and we've not had no deal yet and i think there's been this underlying confidence that okay this is just a spat. they'll come back to the drawing board at some point and that's exactly what's happened and maybe that little jump that we've seen in the pound over the last 48 hours is kind of a reflection of what i've just said ignore the noise ignore the, the 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 ridiculousness ignore the petty spats that we see happening in the media and now you can actually see that a, a real step forward has been made, again, of something petty, but that uh, enables compromise to be had, where it was very difficult before when it seemed that one side was driving cr- compromise from the other.
0: And do you think that if there wasn't COVID-19 as the backdrop to all this, there'd be less room for compromise? But both sides realise, and maybe more so the EU in this situation, that they have to do a deal because we're in enough trouble already without making
1: it worse. I think this is bigger than COVID-19 and uh, in that I think a deal, an agreement, and more importantly, something that, again, Biden uh, referred to last night. It's about alliances uh, and we do not want a bad relationship with the EU and the EU doesn't want a bad relationship with the UK. And I think that was always the driving force behind why a deal was always going to be reached. It was the economics are important but these two nations can continue to trade on less good terms uh, if need be but i think i think at, the, at times like these i feel like the alliance between the two is far more important and that's the probably the main reason why i've always been convinced that uh, that there was always going to be an agreement at the end of the day because united they are far much they are far stronger than they are uh, apart uh, and I, uh, and i think that's Kind of now, yes. We the, the COVID situation has made it more economically important. It was always economically important, but this has made it even more so, and it makes it even harder to justify as well a no deal to the wider uh, to the wider public. Uh, but I, I don't think it's made the dramatic difference because I think underlying these negotiations, there was always something far more important than just economic benefits.
0: Okay, before we ask Ed uh, to look ahead to next week, uh, Craig, I just wanted to have a. Quick note from you about these uh, figures from Barclays, which has reported profits more than double the forecast, £1.1 billion, much higher than the £246 million of last year. And that will buoy uh, certainly some of the banking shares and uh, other financial services uh, stocks um, in the markets. And uh, I'm wondering whether that might have an effect to a certain extent on the USA as well. But what's your reaction to those figures?
1: Yeah, so going into uh, European earnings season, it, it, has, it, it that is obviously um, a massive plus. It kind of carries on a trend that we've already been seeing in the US over the first couple of weeks of earnings season, especially amongst the banks. Uh, we've seen um, lower uh, cash putting put aside uh, for bad loans. Uh, and that was quite consistent again with what we've seen in the US and considerably so. Uh, uh, so I think that was a really important factor uh, in, in in the upside surprise as far as Barclays are concerned, the kind of the, the market side of things, because we've seen that volatility uh, has been uh, a, a big contributor as well. So I think this is now seen as a pattern that's going to extend across the Atlantic and that we're going to see across European uh, banks uh, as well. But there's still considerable risks. We've got to remember as well, we're also comparing to last year when there was significant impairment charges as well uh, on uh, Barclays. So the the comparable is always going to be slightly difficult in that situation. But it does give you some hope going into earnings season that it's not necessarily going to be as bad. But that doesn't mean that these massive headwinds don't still exist. We are still heading into a, a significant Second wave, so the impairment, the 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 money, the cash being put aside uh, for bad loans this quarter may not be so bad, but that doesn't mean that next quarter is going to be much better. Uh, that it's not going to get worse. Sorry, uh, and also the the kind of consumer side of things as well, you, you can imagine may not be quite as good as well. People have continued spending in here in the UK. Retail sales are actually higher than they were pre-pandemic. But when you start to see the the, the kind of state aid uh, being withdrawn and we see obviously with the furlough scheme and we see unemployment start to rise, that can't continue. So that's gonna take uh, its toll say on the credit card business, et cetera, as well. So I think the results are encouraging, but there's, there's real significant headwinds uh, over the next two quarters. And therefore I don't think we should be getting too carried away.
0: Over to you, Ed. Now, um, I mentioned look ahead to next week. Of course, uh, the countdown to November 3rd will continue. Uh, I suppose Joe Biden's just got to keep out of trouble and uh, stay in his basement.
2: Well, I, I think right now you're going to see both candidates are going to campaign as much as they can. They're going to be hitting those battleground states as as frequently as possible. Uh, but, but I think they both know what, what they need to do to, to win votes. And I think president trump is not really going to deviate much from his strategy uh and he's going to just kind of uh focus on the economy and uh you know i think you know after that debate um when you know many americans were asked as far as you know uh, who do they feel more comfortable about the economy it's still president trump i, th- I think that you're going to see that climate change racial inequality the coronavirus and foreign policy biden has the clear advantage uh but the economy is is what the president can try to uh, uh change the the focus to and uh will we'll see how we
0: how successful he is it's amazing uh, but- isn't it though ed that when you think about it all the trials and tribulations that donald trump had to go through from 2016 onwards when you think about the impeachment process Uh, problems with uh, the the various um, accusations with uh, porn stars and uh, all the other stuff that's uh, gone on and he survived all of them until coronavirus and if he loses it will be COVID-19 that did for him really it will it because he was the economy was doing well uh, before COVID-19 it's come along and it's wrecked his plans has not it because With the economy doing well and no COVID-19, I firmly believe he would have won the election. I'm not saying he; it's definitely all over, but it's looking that way at the moment.
2: Very much so. I think in in January, I was a a firm believer that President Trump had an easy path towards re-election. Just looking at the the field of candidates, uh, to me, uh, there was was no one to be fearful of. And uh, uh, Biden is not, he's a flawed candidate. Uh, You know, this is his... Third go at um, going for presidency, and 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 uh, yeah, COVID-19 is 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 uh, something that he thought he had handle of it. He thought it would go away. It didn't. You know, the, the first wave. You know, I think he would have gotten a pass for it. The second wave, not so much. The third wave. Um, you know, I think Americans are are uh, frustrated. And and, and uh, you know, while yes progress has been made on the vaccine and treatment side. Um, um, I I think an optimism is high that the vaccines will be in place by the first half of next year. Uh, That's, that's still like uh, not good enough because of the lack of support to uh, uh, many of the Americans. There's still over 20 million Americans receiving some type of benefit, uh, unemployment benefit. So I I think there's, there's still um, a strong, case here for Biden. And uh, I think that there's just not enough time to, to change the story. Um, and uh, I think the the one big event, though, that I, many people are going to be talking about, I think, on Monday um, is uh, U.S. Senate Republicans are going to have that confirmation vote for Judge Amy Coney Barrett. And uh, this is for to fill a uh, R.B.G. spot on the Supreme Court, and and this is going to be a monumental moment for, I think, the uh, trajectory of the Senate, um, because after uh, that confirmation vote, uh, Biden has clearly stated uh, that he's going to, you know, ex- expand upon his position as far as what he's going to do as far as about expanding the Supreme Court, and I think that that could be the biggest. Uh, risk uh, event to uh, the uh, democrats winning the senate back um, there, there's there 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 are, i think many um, many republican voters that are leaning towards biden or are committed but they don't want to give up The uh, conservative majority on the Supreme Court, and I think that you would see that possibly, uh, especially in those battleground states, you're going to have possibly them vote for Biden, but not for the Democratic senators at play, and uh, I, I think his stance on on. Uh, whether he'll expand the court is really going to dictate that that uh, decision for many voters. Um, So that's that's going to be Monday and and, uh, that's going to be a big event. uh, And we'll probably um, hear from Biden later in the week Um, with regards to the the rest of the week. uh, Thursday is is, is a huge day. Um, Thursday, we have. I I'll, I'll go in the order of these events, but we have the ECB rate decision. And uh, while uh, no, no change in, in policy is expected, uh, the, the the clouds are darkening over uh, Europe. And I, I think that you're going to see um, ECB President Lagarde is going to have to um, acknowledge the, the weakness that um, is persisting and, and become a little bit less optimistic. And uh, what everyone's going to look for is, is she going to provide a cue as far as, um, uh, an increase in the asset purchase program. So I, I think many people are going to be waiting to see how much that pessimism is and, and whether or not uh, we're still pricing in uh, an increase to that in, in, in the December meeting, if not earlier. Uh, after the ECB, we have, uh, as, as always, jobless claims. And uh, more importantly, though, we have the first reading of U.S. Q3 GDP. Uh, This is going to be the uh, record-breaking rebound. Uh, This is following the 31.4% contraction we saw in the second quarter. Uh, It's expected to rebound 32%. That is unheard of. Um, It it, it really kind of highlights, um, you know, the the shuttering of of businesses and and, uh, just the, the limited reopening, um, that, that has gone through and just the, the, the strength of the American consumer, um, strong snapback here. Um, I, that's going to be heavily dissected. That's, a uh, going to be the last major economic data point, uh, before the election. And, and I think that's going to be a big, big focus as far as the, the pace of growth and, uh, you know, what direction uh, the economy is heading in. Um, obviously a better, a stronger reading is, uh, you can make the argument that's better for president Trump and uh, um, a miss would be uh, supportive for Biden. Um, and then in addition to that, um, after the close, you have two big earnings results from Apple and Amazon. Uh, everyone is, you know, as I highlighted earlier, uh, mega cap tech has not done terribly well uh, in, in uh, this earnings season. um, um Tesla, yes, they had good results, but their shares are lower. Netflix are lower. And uh, we'll see uh, what does Apple and Amazon um, have in store for us. And then on, on Friday, um, it's uh, it's more earnings. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get some results from Exxon and Chevron. And uh, that's important for the oil space. Um, we're going to see exactly um, more um guidance as far as production levels uh job layoffs and i, I think that uh, continued weakness and consolidation possibly acquisitions uh, are going to just uh be what um everyone in the energy is en- energy industry is focused on so a busy week um and uh no, we'll happily uh recap it uh, next friday
0: ed moyer in new york and craig erlim in london thanks for joining us today thank you
1: thank you very much